I was so nervous. Like, the most nervous I'd ever been in my life. I didn't even know it was possible for a press conference to get so crowded. Suddenly the flashes came at me from every direction. It was almost blinding, but the clicking didn't stop, as well as the sound of them calling my name. Hazel, look here! Here, over here, Hazel! Oh my gosh, why was this so chaotic? I started to panic, so I ran away. But I'd only taken a few steps before... Thump! Oh, these stupid high heels. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. Well, let's be real, it's kind of hard to see anyone from this angle. Then from every direction, the reporters swarmed in like starving vultures trying to take pictures of me. I was still confused and didn't know what to do when... Gentlemen, please give her some space. Are you okay? Robert, my adoptive dad, came to help me up. Um, excuse us, this is her first time attending such a crowded event. If it's all right with you, we'll help her answer your questions. Phew, I'd finally escaped the chaos. Or so I thought. As soon as he got into the house, Robert shouted, Pamela! Which gave me the fright of my life. Didn't I tell you to teach Hazel some manners? How could you let her embarrass herself in front of the public like that? Pamela looked mortified and kept bowing down and apologizing, but Robert was still furious. If this happens again, you better pack your bags and get out of here. I felt so guilty. It was all because of me that she had been shouted out like that. But I'd done my best. Clearly, it wasn't good enough, though. I tried to forget about it, but early the next morning, Pamela woke me up. She gave me a timetable and told me that from now on, I wouldn't need to go to school anymore and that a tutor would come to teach me at home instead. What? Why all of a sudden? I asked Pamela in shock. It was because of yesterday's incident. The mayor has decided that you need to spend more time learning the necessary etiquette. Are you serious? He can't just keep me locked up here. No way. Hazel? Listen, you should be grateful that you got adopted into this house. Keep in mind of everything Mr. Cornelius has done for you and obediently do as I say. Do you understand what I mean? Looking into Pamela's eyes, I knew I had no choice but to agree. <sighs> the day of the opening ceremony for the town hall had finally arrived, and I got to leave the house for the first time in a month. A whole month. Now was the moment of truth. In the eyes of the public, I had completely transformed into a proper, prestigious lady. When Robert started speaking at the ceremony, he announced a charity fundraiser for my orphanage in the hopes that children like me would be given a chance to live a better life. Hearing this speech, I could barely hold back my tears. I was sitting next to my adoptive mom, Eleanor, so I turned to give her a big hug. Suddenly, all eyes were on me, and it seemed I'd finally done something right. I smiled up at Robert, and we both had tears in our eyes. Maybe Pamela was right. I really was lucky to have been adopted by such kind people. But as soon as we got home, things changed. My parents got all quiet and went off to their room, leaving me alone. Where was my praise? I'd done so well, hadn't I? Why weren't they happy? The following days, they still asked me to join them for their events, so I guess I must have done a good job. And while the media and public were around, they were all touchy-feely and affectionate towards me, constantly praising me. We must have looked like the perfect family. But the minute we got home, they'd ignore me, and if they wanted to tell me something, they'd get Pamela to speak to me. It was so flipping weird. I actually started to feel quite lonely and depressed. And even though I was living in the lap of luxury, I missed the orphanage. One day, Pamela's daughter, aka the only friend I had in this enormous mansion, 
Paisley saw how upset I was and asked, Hey, so why do you agree to move into this house? You're clearly unhappy here. Paisley got me. She was the same age as me, so we were on the same wavelength. I was nervous to tell her how I felt, but I knew she would understand, so I told her everything. The thing is, I actually have a sister. She's only eight, and she's called Amber. That's why I was missing the orphanage. She was still there. She's got congenital heart disease, so after our parents passed away, the orphanage couldn't afford her hospital bills. When the mayor's family decided to adopt me, I refused because I didn't want to leave Amber alone. But then Robert offered to pay for her medical treatments if I agreed. And well, the rest is history. You see, I can't just leave. If I did, what would happen to Amber? Oh, Hazel, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. But I need to be honest with you. One time I overheard Robert and Eleanor saying that you were the perfect girl to play this role. Huh? What role? That meant, were they using me for something? It didn't make any sense, but those words kept lingering on my mind until... One time Eleanor asked me to join her at a charity event, which she said was going to be broadcast on TV. Our job was to prepare homemade food and give it out to the homeless. I was so excited, but when I walked into our kitchen... I discovered the chefs had already cooked everything before the filming crew arrived. I was so disappointed and asked Eleanor about it. She just laughed and said, Oh, no, sweetie, our job is just to look pretty and graceful in front of the camera. Then before distributing the food, she gave me a pair of gloves and said, Don't touch any of their hands, okay? They are filthy. Oh my gosh, how could she say such things? Oh, then it hit me. I understood what Paisley had said now. The affection and kindness that the Corneliuses were showing me was actually just for show. All to win over the audience, aka the public, while this was their very true face. I had to do something about this. I couldn't let them keep on deceiving the public like this. So when Eleanor went to the bathroom and took off her gloves, I quickly grabbed them and threw them in the trash. When we went back out, a homeless man approached her to express his gratitude and asked for a handshake. Of course, she tried to refuse, but at that moment, the camera turned to her, so she had no choice but to give in. And you know what? The man didn't just shake her hand. He even pulled Eleanor in for a big hug. I couldn't hold back my laughter at how flustered she looked. Served her right. Afterward, Eleanor grabbed my arm and dragged me to a quiet corner. Then she said, It was you who did this, wasn't it? I pretended to have no idea what she was talking about, and this just infuriated her even more. Then later that evening when we got home, Robert was already waiting and shouted at me. What do you think you're playing at? I was confused, but then Eleanor added, Don't you ever mess with me like that again. Now listen closely. Don't you miss your little sis? Aren't you curious if she's doing okay or not? That's right. You better have behaved yourself from now on, young lady. I was so shaken by what they'd said. I didn't even want to leave my room. What if something happened to my sister? Then suddenly, Paisley climbed through my window into my room. As soon as I saw her, I burst into tears. Paisley, please help me with this. I need you to go to my orphanage and check on Amber and see if she's okay. A few hours later, Paisley came back panting. Your sister? She's not doing good. What? But... Hadn't she been receiving money for her monthly treatments? Paisley shook her head. The nuns there said they hadn't received a penny since you left. Now Amber is barely surviving. 
Paisley's words broke my heart. Those two had been fooling me all this time, and now my sister's life was hanging on by a thread. I had to get to the bottom of this. I walked past Robert's office, and that's when I overheard someone talking. Curious, I peeked in and saw a group of middle-aged men sitting around a table. One of them spoke up. Hey, Robert. The election day is coming. Is that little girl still doing a decent job? Oh, don't worry about her. She's just a silly little kid. She believes anything I tell her, especially about her sick sister, Robert smirked. How dare he speak about my sister like that? I had to do something. I couldn't let this vicious man keep on fooling everyone like he'd done to me. So I took out my phone and started filming. Speaking of which, how much charity money have we got so far? One hundred thousand dollars, Robert said. And the room was filled with praise. Gentlemen, by the time of the closing party for the charity this weekend, we should have almost $500,000 for the election campaign. As soon as I win, your business will continue to be tax-reduced for the next four years. I had to cover my mouth to stop myself from gasping. So this whole time, he'd been exploiting me and the orphanage for his corruption? Gosh, I was such an idiot to fall right into his trap. Suddenly, my phone buzzed. Who's there? Robert shouted and rushed to the door. Oh no! Panicked, I ran, but not far enough before I tripped and the phone flew out of my hand. Robert and his men caught up with me, picked up my phone, and deleted all my evidence. They even took the phone away from me. He turned to me and said, I've already warned you, have I not? You're a liar! I yelled. You haven't paid a penny to my sister! Robert growled. Who told you that? But all he had for an answer was my silence and fuming look. Furious, he dragged me back to my room. Maid, bring me the keys to her room. And then he locked me up inside until the day of the closing party of the charity rolled around, where they'd be announcing the amount of money they'd collected. That day, all the staff were out of the mansion. Suddenly, I heard the door being unlocked. Panicked, I hid behind the closet. Hazel, where are you? Oh, it was just Paisley. Ah. She found a way to sneak me out of the mansion and told me to run straight back to the orphanage. But no, first I had to expose that sly old fox Robert. Luckily, when I got to the event, Robert was giving his speech. I immediately ran up to the stage, snatched the mic, and told everyone about his evil plan. But I was no match for him. Before I could finish, security was dragging me off the stage, and Robert had already taken control of the situation. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so sorry for my daughter's behavior. She's... The reason why we decided to adopt her was that she's mentally ill. Since she came to our home, she has become better, but as you can see, there's been a bit of a relapse. What a snake! This jerk would stop at nothing to get what he wanted. Just then, the big screen on stage suddenly showed the video I'd taken, revealing all the schemes of Robert and his accomplices. Now he was well and truly exposed. I watched as he stammered. N no, th this can't be happening. Right at that moment, the police rushed in to arrest Robert and his accomplices in the stands. You might be wondering how we pulled that off. Well, as I was running through the hallway, I managed to send the video to Paisley. As soon as she received it, she came to find me and saw everything that had happened. So she secretly ran to her mom for help. Pamela then made a plan. While Paisley freed me from the mansion, Pamela set to work on projecting the video on the big screen. Genius, right? A month later, Robert and his accomplices were arrested for embezzlement. 
And of course, he got locked up for a long, long time. Both him and Eleanor received such massive backlash from the public to the point that she had to stay hidden away too. The charity money, luckily, was brought back to the orphanage and part of it was used to take care of my sister, Amber. She's doing much better now. Oh, and Paisley and I are still best of friends. Pamela has found a way better job. And as for me, I went back to stay at the orphanage until I'm old enough to move out. I'm better off being on my own with my sister than being adopted by some messed up family again. I stepped back in fear, thinking I was dead. With my back against the wall, I squeezed my eyes shut and couldn't hold back a scream. Now this huge hot dog was going to kill me for sure. Why did we even come out of the bunker? Hi, my name's Stacy, and I lived in a bunker with my family for 17 years. And it honestly wasn't the best idea to come out of there. But... Back to me and the killer hot dog which was reaching out to me. He must have had a gun in there. I screamed even louder. And I think the hot dog himself was scared by my scream. Come on, it's just a flyer for a coffee shop. You don't have to react like that. No, I mean, I know I've pissed off everyone in this neighborhood. But your reaction, miss, is very hurtful, you know. What? You can talk? I asked with a dumbfounded expression touching a soft hot dog. It's strange. It's made of some kind of material. Pleasant to the touch. Isn't it real? Of course I can. I'm actually a human being too, and you should respect my work. An offended hot dog threw some colorful flyers at my feet and walked away to my loud laughter. I couldn't calm down when I imagined what the whole situation looked like from the outside. And I didn't know people here dressed up in food costumes to promote the food itself. Well, that's not a bad move. I took the flyer and went to the cafe to get my free hot dog. And while I ate the tastiest food in the world, sitting at a table, I thought about my parents, who are probably looking all over town for me. We came out of the bunker not long ago. Honestly, I thought I'd spend my whole life in it, because mom and dad were terrified of the outside world. They always told me it wasn't safe here, and I believed them, even though it made me sad. We had a lot of books in the bunker, and I read them every day, and they were so interesting and exciting. I wanted to see more and more of the outside world every day. But then, something clicked in their heads, and they realized that they couldn't keep me in isolation forever. So when I turned 17, we went out on the surface, and I was blown away by how big and noisy the world really was. Honestly, I was expecting to see vast oceans and pirates, and by the way, I did see them, except they weren't sailing in a huge ship. They were entertaining children near some tall building. I ran up to them with a happy smile, and I told them I wanted to be a pirate too, to look for treasure. The pirate even got confused, and I took away his sword and began to scare the children, thinking that they probably want to take the chest of gold. But the children were not frightened. They laughed and shouted for joy, and one of them even took my sword and bent it. It's not real? I wondered. Of course it isn't real. The pirate grumbled. So you're not a real pirate? I was about to burst into tears. Girl, are you out of the woods? Pirate don't exist since a long time ago. Now go away and don't interfere with children's party. 
Not only had I been insulted, but I was disappointed in pirates. But that wasn't the worst part. I lost my head so much in joy when I saw the pirates that I ran away from my parents and got lost. At first, panic overwhelmed me, and I couldn't breathe. The high-rises were floating in front of my eyes, and my head was spinning. But when I calmed down, I realized this was a great chance to explore the real world. I was sure my parents had limited me in many ways. And then, an epic encounter with the hot dog happened, which scared the crap out of me. Because I didn't know that food had learned to walk. But as it turned out, it was just a man who made me try a hot dog for the first time in my life. To be honest, I was getting pretty tired of canned food. When I walked out of the cafe, insanely happy, I almost got hit by a car on the road. Look where you're going! The driver shouted at me. You watch where you're going. Can't you see that the light is red? Girls aren't allowed to cross the road on red. The driver, upon hearing this, wagged his finger at my temple, and I showed him my tongue and crossed the road still, even though other cars were honking their horns. Oh, what strange rules they have. Who decided to discriminate against women and forbid them to cross the road at a red light? But as soon as I stepped back from that rudeness, someone grabbed my arm. Jin, how many times do we have to look for you? We're in the middle of a photo shoot. There was a disgruntled woman standing in front of me I've never seen before in my life. But I didn't. Let's go. Otherwise, Alex will be furious. What's the matter with you anyway? You're dressed like you just got out of the bunker. But I am. That's a good one, Jean. But now is not the time for it. I spent the whole trip trying to explain to the stranger that she'd mistaken me with someone else. But the woman was either on the phone with someone else, or she wasn't paying attention to me. We arrived at some studio. The photographer looked at me unhappily and said I looked terrible. Is everyone here so rude? I got indignant and crossed my arms. You act like it's your first day on the job, girl. Alex snorted. Run and get changed. I don't want to see that trash on you again. They took me to a room with a big mirror, and I got makeup and cool fancy clothes which were more like shapeless rags. How are my clothes any worse? They're even better. What kind of fashion is this? During the photo shoot, Alex kept yelling at me because my posing was awful and I didn't know how else to stand. I wanted to cry and go back to the bunker because my loving parents were waiting for me there, not angry photographers. You're crying too? You're crazy. We're gonna have to do your makeup all over again. I'm not Jin, leave me alone. Have you been out till morning again? You feel very bad if you don't get enough sleep. That's enough, I'm leaving. They tried to stop me. Fortunately, the real Jin appeared in the studio at that time. She stared at me in utter shock. Alex and that woman were also surprised. They'd mistaken their motto with me. However, there was no apology from them. They just threw me out, calling me a fraud. How rude people are after all. After that incident, I sat down on the pavement, and I cried. I was so scared. I was lost and didn't know how to find my parents. I wanted to go back to the bunker. And even though it was cramped and gloomy, it was a normal environment for me and my family. I walked down the street as far as I could see, until I met a policeman. Seeing my condition, he asked me what had happened. I told him the details of my situation. He didn't believe me about the bunker but he promised to find my parents. They took me to the police station, where I spent full 24 hours. But it was worth it, because the next night, my parents came to pick me up. 
Stacy, honey, we're so glad we found you. We were so worried. Me too. I hugged mom and dad, and I cried tears of joy. The policeman asked me sternly if it was true that we were living in a bunker. I just wanted to say that it was true. My father interrupted and said, That a bunker is what we call our little provincial town. Later, my parents explained to me that we shouldn't tell outsiders where we lived. Are we going back to the bunker? No, my daughter. My mother said, and she stroked my head. We'll live here now. I was very upset because I didn't like this world at all. In the books, it was different, but in reality, it was noisy and dusty and terribly cruel. Turns out, my parents had an apartment all along. We started living there. At first, it was very hard for me to fall asleep in a soft bed, going out to the store every day and standing in huge lines. But most of all, for some reason, it was the loud music that scared me. I wanted to hide from it as quickly as possible. Also, it seemed very strange to me that people would ask me how I was doing. But when I started to tell them my life story, they didn't listen to me at all. How silly. They asked, didn't they? However, I really liked the internet. But when I started using it, I ran into some scammers. They stole all the money from my dad's account that I'd been saving in there for 20 years. Can you believe it? I was so ashamed. I even tried to lie about having nothing to do with it. You think the money disappeared on its own? Dad frowned. Of course. The internet is so unpredictable and confusing. But in the end, Dad cracked me up and only scolded me for lying to him. That's how we ended up with no money. I was insanely ashamed of what I'd done, and I wanted to give my father back all his savings. But how? I don't know how to do anything. I didn't even go to school. They probably wouldn't hire me without it. However, good luck turned to me. One day, I met the very same gin in a store. The girl recognized me and apologized for the way I'd been treated so rudely. And then she made me a lucrative offer. Since we looked so much alike, we could do a couple's photo shoot. That would be awesome. The PR people would come up with a story about missing twins who meet up years later. But that's a lie. I objected. Yeah, but why do we care? They'll pay a lot. That's all that matters. Do you agree? Of course I said yes. After all, our family needed the money. But I really didn't like modeling. Everyone yelled at me. They were always pulling my hair. And I had to pose for hours at a time. Oh, it was exhausting. Jin, on the other hand, was happy with everything. She once told me that we were making a lot of money now, and she was giving half of it to me. But then I found out by chance that she wasn't giving me half of what she earned, but only a third. Even she lied to me, although I trusted her, told her about the problems in the family. But Jin was devoid of empathy, and she cared more about making money than about my trouble. After that, I quit my job, even though I needed the money. Our family would get by somehow, but I wasn't going to put up with the lie, because I knew that if you've been cheated once, then they would cheat you the second and third time. My parents, learning about this situation, supported me, and then made an appointment to see a psychologist, because every day in the big city, I was getting worse and worse. Thanks to therapy, I stopped being afraid of music big buildings, and the strange people that were all around me. And I finally started using the subway. 
and I even felt comfortable there. The subway was underground. It reminded me remotely of my home bunker. Later, when our family had money, my parents hired me a homeschooling teacher, so I wouldn't look too stupid at 17. That's how drastically my life changed when I came out of the bunker. I'm used to it now, and I remember my past adventures with laughter. How would you feel in the big city after living in isolation? Write your answers in the comments. Click the bell so you don't miss new stories. And like this video. I was sitting on the couch watching TV. And out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something flashed. A black shadow suddenly appeared and quickly disappeared somewhere in the back of the room. I got up and decided to look around. Maybe it was my little brother Eugene trying to scare me. But the room was empty. Suddenly, the shadow reappeared, this time in the top corner of the room, right near the ceiling. It frightened me. I didn't know what it could be. The shadow flashed in front of me once again, disappeared, then reappeared and headed right at me. I screamed loudly, jumped back, and fell on my back. The front door opened. It was my mother. What happened? She saw my frightened face. I looked around. There was no shadow. Nothing. I blurted out immediately. I just fell down. My mom looked at me suspiciously and then carried the groceries into the kitchen. Maybe I was just exhausted and was starting to see things that didn't make sense. Hi, my name is Karen, and lately I've been seeing some weird things that made me question my mental health. But first things first, I had surgery not too long ago, and not the easiest one. I was transplanted with someone else's eyes. I've had problems with my vision since childhood. I wore glasses, had to squint sometimes, but I managed somehow. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. They called me four-eyed, a dweeb, and so forth. I'm sure you all know these typical nicknames, but that I could put up with somehow. However, in high school, my eyesight began to deteriorate drastically. I switched from one pair of glasses to the next, and it helped for a while. Eventually, I couldn't see much. My mother and I went to the hospital. Doctors hmm. examined me for a long time. They spun me around, stared at me, used different instruments. Then they sent me to another hospital until the last and most prestigious clinic gave me a disappointing diagnosis. I could go blind. My mom and dad were pretty shaken up by it. I must admit, so was I. What can be done, doctor? Mom asked. Well, there's only one solution, surgery. We need to transplant a set of healthy eyes. I didn't even believe that something like that was possible. The very thought of seeing the world through someone else's eyes made me feel very uneasy. It was a difficult time in my life, but as it turned out, there was more to come. My parents finally agreed to the surgery, but it wasn't that easy. We had to wait a couple of months for a donor to come along, but then the donor's eyes arrived and I finally got the surgery. I was blindfolded for two weeks and couldn't see anything. I was scared because I had no idea if I would see again. The doctors didn't know that either. Finally, they took the bandage off. I saw the outline of my mother's face and then hey. I saw my father and then the room we were in. I cried with joy. My parents cried too. It was an overwhelming feeling to be yes. able to see again. Uh -huh. Everything was beautiful. I went back to school, read books. I had perfect eyesight. Never before had I seen everything so clearly. I felt like I had some kind of superpower, even though I was just like everybody else. But I wouldn't even be telling you about any of this if it wasn't for the side effects. 
I started seeing some strange things. Sometimes even creepy things that gave me the shivers. One time I remember I woke up, went to the bathroom, turned on the water, washed my face. And then I looked up and almost fainted. What I saw in the mirror wasn't me, but a copy of me. She was smiling at me and waving. I rubbed my eyes and the other me was gone. I couldn't understand what just happened. Am I really losing my mind? I wanted to talk to my parents, but I just couldn't find the right words. What if they thought I was insane? I didn't want to end up in the hospital, so I decided to figure it out on my own. There was definitely something going on with me, and it had something to do with my eyes. I figured there had to be some scientific explanation for it, so I went to the doctor who performed the surgery. I asked him, is it possible the eyeball is damaged and that causes... How should I put this? I hesitated. What? The doctor asked. Distortion? Strange visions? The man mm. frowned. Let's examine you, he said after a long pause. I was again seated in that creepy chair. They attached some kind of machine to me, and the doctor mm. examined my eyes mm. for about 10 minutes. Then he declared, There's nothing wrong. I don't see any damage. Okay, it's probably just fatigue. If there's anything wrong, come back again. We'll help you figure it out. I, unsure whether to be happy or sad, returned home. Things didn't make more sense to me. So I decided to trace things all the way back to the beginning to find out whose eyes I got. It wasn't easy at all. So I asked Michael to help me. Michael was a friend of mine. We took a sculpting class together for two years. We both hated it, so we soon became friends. At recess, I tried to explain to him what was happening and outline my crazy plan. It's not just some random specs. No, they have faces and they move. Creepy, like a horror movie. Wow, and I thought you were finally going to be able to live a normal life. I can see just fine, but not everything I see, I like. So what are you thinking? Sneak into the clinic at night, locate my file, and find out exactly who my donor was. I could tell mm -hmm. by the look on Michael's face hmm. that he was fighting himself. Mm. I don't know, it's kind of dangerous. And how do we get through security? We could come during the day, hide somewhere, and then come out when the clinic closes. Only after about five minutes, Michael said, Okay, let's go. I don't want you running around by yourself. The next day, we went to the hospital. We were walking down the halls, wondering where we could hide. I suggested, Why don't we find a back room where they keep all the cleaning supplies and mops? Okay. Michael agreed. After half an hour, we finally found a suitable back room. While no one was looking, we snuck in and hid in the closet. The closet was cramped, so we had to stand there with our arms around each other. It's a little awkward. Michael said, yeah. I agreed, but then I added, shh, I think someone's coming. And indeed, a woman entered the room. She was folding something for about 10 minutes, and then she went out and we were alone again. What do those shadows look like? What do you see? Michael suddenly asked, well, I don't know. They're long with red eyes. Sometimes you can see the mouth. It's hard to describe. Some kind of black clots. I wonder what it could be related to. That's what I want to find out. Maybe something happened to the person whose eyes I got, and now I'm seeing all this. We stood in the closet for four hours. My legs were stiff. It was also stuffy. Finally, at 10 o'clock, the hospital was empty, and we crawled out of the closet, eagerly breathing in fresh air. We stretched our stiff legs and arms. Having come to our senses, we headed out on a search mission. At night, the clinic looked creepy. 
Everything was dark, with only a few dim lights on. What we needed was an archive where they kept all the patient's records. Surely my file would have some record of my donor. I already knew where it was, so we headed over there, without looking in every room. Suddenly, something flashed in the distance. At first, I thought it was one of the staff. A guard, perhaps? I touched Michael's shoulder and said in a whisper, I think there's someone up ahead. I looked closer. It looked like a silhouette of a person. I can't see anything. Where? Said Michael. Over there. I pointed to where the silhouette was, but no one was there now. Where? I imagined it. Michael let out a sigh of relief and we continued on our way. The archive was on the second floor. We were on the third. After a bit of confusion, we finally found the right door. Is this it? Yes, I said. You just have to be quiet. The office was dark, so I switched on the flashlight on my phone. It was dangerous, but there was no other way. There were several shelves against the wall. It must be here, I said to Michael, and pointed to the metal boxes with the letters on them. Are they alphabetical? I think so. I need an R. Robinson. Hold the light and I'll look for it. I held the flashlight while Michael went through folder after folder. Did you find it? I asked, growing impatient. No, but... He stopped, and then he called out loudly, There! Hush! They'll hear us! Suddenly, there was a noise in the hallway. I turned off the flashlight, and my friend and I hid under the table. The doorknob creaked, and someone came inside. A flashlight beam flickered across the room. You must have imagined it, Hmm. came the guard's voice. He shut the door. We waited until his footsteps faded, and I finally asked, Did you find it? Yeah. Michael showed me the folder. It said Karen Robinson on it. I flipped through the paperwork and made sure it was what we were looking for. I wanted to figure out on the spot, but Mike said, Come on, let's just take it with us. What? Yeah, and then we'll bring it back. Okay, I agreed. We'll read it outside. We left the office, walked down the hallway towards the stairs, so we can get to the first floor and sneak past the garden to the street. Suddenly, black shadows appeared at the end of the corridor. There were many of them an entire squad. At first, they stood looking at me. I froze too and couldn't move. Then the shadows lunged at me and I screamed. Michael didn't understand what was happening. What's going on? He asked. I began to explain that a bunch of black monsters came rushing at me. I ran for the stairs. Michael followed me. I ran as fast as I could. We made it to the first floor. A guard suddenly appeared in front of us. But he was so frightened by my scream, he jumped out of the way. We made our way to the street and ran for another 10 minutes. Michael kept up with me. I turned around to see if the shadows were still chasing me, but there were no shadows. I stopped, and so did Michael. We caught our breath, and that's when the guy asked, Were there shadows? Yeah, maybe they're not real, but I didn't want to check. We stood by the lantern, and I opened the folder. I frantically read everything that was written about my surgery. When I got to the information about the donor, I immediately understood everything. They transplanted the eyes of a man who was being treated in a psychiatric hospital. He had schizophrenia and he was seeing terrible hallucinations. But I thought it had more to do with the brain than the eyes. Yeah, so did I, but who the hell knows? I have to show it to my parents. We went back home. Mom and dad were worried because I never came home from school but I handed them the folder and pointed to the right document. I explained that I was seeing scary things and that it seemed to have something to do with my transplanted eyes. 
The next day, my parents made a scene at the clinic, complaining that they weren't informed who those eyes belonged to. They promised me a new surgery. Luckily, this time, I didn't have to wait so long. I got the transplant the very next week. I never saw those shadows again, but the darkness still scares me, and I don't like to be alone in a dark room. What would you do if you suddenly started seeing strange shadows? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends. My alarm rang loudly and woke me up in the princess-like room. Oh my god, I'm late for school! The maid quickly helped me change my clothes, wash my face, and massage my arms and legs. She took me to the dressing room to select my bags and jewelry for the day, but in a hurry, she accidentally dropped a pink Rolex watch worth $50,000 to the ground. I'm so sorry, my lady. I reassured her and whispered, <laughs> let's just say I dropped it. Then I reached for my bag and threw the broken watch in the trash. Fiona, my mean sister, saw that and took a photo. Look how little Miss Boyle threw away this expensive watch. Ugh, not again. Hi, I'm Brittany and I'm 19 years old. As you can see, I was born into the richest family in England. My dad was a famous politician and my mom was a phenomenal pianist. They were very busy, so it was usually just me and Fiona at home. However, we have distinctly opposite personalities, and Fiona always looked for ways to mess me up. Contrary to Fiona, who always obeyed our parents' every word, I was the rule breaker of the family. Not to mention, I love racing. Even if my mom disapproved of my passion and forced me to learn piano, I still found ways to participate in many races without her knowing. Once, when I was in a big race and was almost in the lead, the road split into two ways. Because I knew that area very well, I knew the left road was a shortcut, so I quickly went that way, but suddenly, a car appeared right behind me and was hot on my tail. However, the driver lost control of the wheel and crashed into a nearby fence. The collision wasn't too serious and he seemed fine, so I decided to continue the race when suddenly he called out. Wait, don't leave me! I immediately braked the car and ran out to see if he was injured. Were you really about to leave me alone? Duh, you look fine. And it's your fault for not knowing this area and yet dare to go after me. Because the road was empty and very few people passed by there, <laughs> I had to let him into my car or else he would have to stay there all night and never be able to reach the destination. After putting him in the car, I continued my race. All the way through, he kept complaining that my racing style was too reckless. Jeez, what a bother. I shut him up with a tissue in his throat, but still, due to his disturbance, I only finished in third place. You're probably the coolest girl I've ever met. I'm David. Whatever. The fact that two riders finished the race in the same car was so unique that it quickly became the media hot topic. Not only that, my sister also started skipping school and followed me to the race to take pictures of me as evidence. The pictures were quickly handed to our mom and as a result, I was punished for my disobedience and for participating in risky races. However, Fiona suffered the same fate and was grounded for skipping school. That made her hate me even more. Fiona always acted hostile to me because only one of us was assigned to take over the family business someday. It was her biggest ambition, although I was indifferent about it. Since she loved money and power so much, marrying the son of War Petroleum Corporation's chairman would surely strengthen her position and she was looking forward to it. Knowing that the engagement was already on the way, I guess Fiona's wish would come true soon. One day, my family invited the family-in-law to dinner. Fiona was so overdressed that if I hadn't known better, I'd say she was going to greet the US president. When their family arrived, I was startled. It was David, the lame guy who was in the race with me the other day. He's the son of Wall Corporation's chairman. During the meal, my dad introduced. 
Hi, David. This is Fiona, your future fiance. <laughs> but I'm more interested in your second daughter. What the heck? That lunatic! I immediately kicked his leg. However, after hearing David's unthinkable wish, my parents still agreed to rearrange the wedding. <laughs> Humiliated and angry, Fiona immediately left the place. I couldn't help but ran after my sister to comfort her. Do you like David that much? No! I hate you both! Stay away from me! Fiona brushed me off and stormed away. Great, now I would have to deal with that madman alone. When I returned, I dragged David to my back garden. Listen, you ninny, I don't want to marry you. Why not? It's a win-win for us. You seem fun, and God knows we both hate arranged marriages like this. Hmm. So David also didn't want such a marriage as well. He proposed that both of us should pretend to accept our family's wishes to hold a wedding. Then we would throw caution to the wind and mess it all up. What he said sounded quite intriguing and beneficial indeed. Fiona didn't seem to be fond of David that much, and if I did as David said, my sister hmm. wouldn't need to marry someone she didn't love. Then, when I gave up the inheritance, she could have it and everyone would be happy. Let's wreak havoc right before the wedding day. Deal? Deal. After that day, David and I were scheduled to go on dates and sometimes the destination was an amusement park. David hired a paparazzi to accompany us to take pictures. He was asked to capture our most childish moments, like when we were posing as ghosts in a haunted house to scare the guests or pretending to be sharks to tease children at the water park. Everything we did was to embarrass our families. Honestly, those pranks with David put me in high spirits. However, our little plan seemed to be backfire. Little did we know, another paparazzi had recorded our friendly moments and spread the news that we were dating. Immediately, my family confirmed the information and announced that we were about to get engaged. That sucks! The only thing I wanted to improve was my relationship with my sister, but it didn't work. From the day David rejected her, Fiona was rarely at home. She started partying wildly, much to our parents' disappointment. It made me feel guilty too. One windy night, I drove to the beach and tried to distract myself from my life problems. Are you okay? Hearing David's voice, I burst into tears because what I did might have hurt Fiona. He patted me and tried his best to lift my spirits as he got me some ice cream. That was pretty cute and attentive of him. Maybe I liked him more than I thought. But before I told that to David, I needed to make sure Fiona was okay first. One day, I went to find Fiona at her friend's house. That place was reeked of alcohol. Ugh, I tried to help Fiona up, but she kept insisting on me to play truth or dare, or else she wouldn't come home with me. Jeez, I had no choice but to listen to her. I dare you to hide in the closet with my buddy Pete. I hesitated, but Fiona burst into tears, saying that she was tired of no one listening to any word she said. What a pain, <laughs> but I didn't want to hurt her any further, so I agreed. Unbelievably, on the very next day, the video of me and Pete getting into the closet was edited and spread like wildfire. Losing their tempers, my parents decided to stop the marriage between me and David and chose Fiona as my replacement. Horrified, I tried to contact David to explain, but all I received was one message from him. I know we are nothing yet, but all this time, I've been serious about it. I'll be out of the way so that you can be with the person you truly love. Oh, David, so he was into me too? There was no doubt that my sister had gone too far this time. I decided to stop the wedding between her and David with everything I had to take back my supposed-to-be fiancé. When Fiona was preparing her wedding dress, I barged in and questioned her. If you don't love David, why do you want to marry him? To destroy you! You're always loved by everyone even though you have no talent! 
Fiona admitted that she was the mastermind who set me up with Pete. Then she fiercely pushed me to a nearby coat's hangar. Fiona was about to slap me when a hand stopped her. Stop it! I can't believe you do this to your own sister! Unbelievably, David and his parents had overheard everything. They immediately stopped all engagement activities, and Fiona had to pay for all of her wrongdoings. Still, after everything, I couldn't bring myself to hate Fiona, so I forgave her instead. She was unfortunate enough. My parents were also publicly criticized for arranging an unwanted marriage to serve their business interests. And that, my friends, was how I solved that one big mess. After that day, I wholeheartedly expressed my feelings to David, and we officially dated each other on our own free will. Not only that, we're enjoying our racing passion together to the fullest. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.